but the lid really makes that cooking unit like you know kind of uh kind of fly so yeah you can sear you can steam you can do all kinds of stuff on the scottle and i just yeah once i got it i was like man this once i it wasn't once i got what is it once i got it i was frustrated it's once i learned it um that just totally changed uh the the way that i went out and that's literally the only camp piece or the cooking piece that i take with me outside of a a, a therm or um a teapot to boil water for the French press. That was Brent Baker talking about the Scottle getting you dialed in for your next camping trip today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. Please head over to uh, Instagram or on social media anywhere at Wet Fly Swing. DM me or send a comment or just uh, follow us there on social to keep up with what we have going. I know it's easy to get out of the loop and we got a bunch of great episodes coming up this summer. Uh, give me a lightning bolt if you get a chance. I always love to see a little lightning bolt uh, emoji out there. That'd be great. Brent Baker, head man at Oregon AT, shares some gear tips and camping tips you may not have been thinking about. Brent shares uh, the best remote communication device he uses, what overlanding is all about, and why people are putting tents on top of their cars. You see these all, all around town nowadays. Uh, tents, tents flying around everywhere. Uh, this is another episode that isn't quite focused on fly fishing, but is connected in a roundabout way as we continue kind of that gear list uh, for camping and the fishing and everything there. So I uh, hope you find some value in it. Uh, if you want to listen on, this is definitely a good one. Um, Brent has some cool products as well of his own that we talked about a little bit here today, but um, definitely every Tuesday, if you want, if you want to dig into that fly fishing specific topic, every Tuesday, we always have a fly fishing. Um, a lot of times we have multiple fly fishing episodes a week, but always Tuesday. So click back a day, or a couple days, and you should see one there that's uh, jam packed. That's power packed, power packed pod with fly fishing. Before we get started, let's hear from our sponsors. Koffler Boats specialize in custom-ordered aluminum boats and uses the best materials, components, and accessories available to meet all of your fishing and boating needs. The Jet Drifter, a perfect powerboat for shallow water rivers or lakes, will perform with as little as a 35-horsepower prop engine. Head over to wetflyswing.com slash Koffler to check out the lineup right now. That's Koffler, K-O-F-F-L-E-R, wetflyswing.com slash Koffler to check out uh, the lineup and connect with Joe. So without further ado, here is Brent Baker from OregonAT.com. How's it going, Brent? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, Dave. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I appreciate having a chance to chat with all your listeners. Yeah, yeah, this is this is going to be a, a good one. It's kind of, we've been mixing it up a little bit, you know, on some of this stuff. It's been a lot of fun because, you know, we're not necessarily going to talk about fly fishing today. We're going to dig into some more of the off-road, more of the vehicle stuff, which I think a lot of people listening probably have pickup trucks or, you know, they're off-road to get to fishing. So I'm hoping to to help that person make sure to st stay safe and allow them to find some fish. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's my cup of tea. I mean, obviously, you and I met out on the De lower Deschutes out fishing, but um, yeah, we got into off road chatting and kind of uh, that's how this whole thing kind of came to be. But I think it's important for anybody who's going in the backcountry off road, regardless of the recreational activity you're doing, you got to have a little bit of. It's always good to have a little bit of knowledge of, just to keep yourself safe and make things a little bit more comfortable. Nice, yeah, that's perfect. And you have we'll, we'll dig into your company, uh, Oregon AT which uh, has a focus on, well, we'll talk about, I guess, the, the campers and some of the stuff you have going there. But, um, you know, I wanted to start this off. This is, this is, this came up a while back and it's, you know, just for clarification, the overlanding thing, right? That, that topic, it seems like it's been a hot topic for a number of years now. I don't know a lot about it. You see these, these camper, these things that are on top of people's rigs that are like wrapped up in canvas that pop up into tents, right? But can you just describe somebody who doesn't know what overlanding is? Just quickly describe that. Man, that is a that is the question of the decade. I think um, no, there's so many there, there's so many different versions of uh, the definition of overlanding. Um, so I can only speak to you know what I kind of consider overlanding, and um, honestly, it's just uh, for me, it's kind of you know comfortable car camping a bit. Where you know if you're going to be going off the grid, if you're going to be self sufficient, where you're taking everything that you need to. Um, you know, go out and I don't want to say live, but go out and enjoy yourself for a few days um, and travel from place to place. 
um, that to me is overlanding. Like, you know, whether you're doing it in, you know, a fully built out expedition truck or you're, you know, you're doing it in a, in a Honda Civic that you decide you're just going to put the seat down and sleep in it for the night. There's, there's really no different in my difference in my mind. There's, there's always things you got to keep aware of, but it's kind of that, that multi-day, maybe multi-location kind of off the grid, um, uh, uh, vehicle supported camping, camping experience. That, that to me, that to me is overlanding. And that's where it gets kind of interesting. Cause I think that's obviously the general, to- uh, you know, way to describe, it because that just sounds like car camping, right? I mean, how, like the difference between car camping, you know, we kind of joke about that, but the bit, difference between car camping and overlanding is what, what is the main difference? Um, I want to say to me, car camping, you could go to, you know, like a KOA or, uh, you know, an established campsite. And for overlanding for me, it's pretty much you're staying out on BLM land. You're staying somewhere where you don't have the support of other services. You know, you pretty much have to take everything with you and, um, you want to make sure you're doing it the right way. So you're stewards of the places that you go and you're not messing them up for, you know, others that want to come and enjoy those spots too. That makes sense. So, so with that definition that I pretty much am an overlander because I rarely, I hardly ever stay. I mean, the times <laughs> where you have to stay at those camps, you're like, oh man, this, this is rough. This really sucks. Right. When you got people around you and stuff like in, in RVs and everything, but yeah, no, it's good to hear. So our, I mean, really the definition isn't critical. The, the bottom line is you're getting out and you're camping and you got trucks and people are taking this to the extreme level right you got i mean you see these photos of people out there with these like jeeps that are on the sides of cliffs and and they're mm-hmm. camping in their tents talk about a little bit about those tents because i, I know you don't specialize in those pop-up tents but why do a pop-up tent why not just um you know have a tent that throw out of your car yeah i um you know the rooftop tents have been a huge trend and it's kind of been the the propeller behind you know the the uptake of of this overlanding world for you know, uh, since it be, since it kind of started here in the States, the, uh, the rooftop tents that I think that, I think the main benefit of that is that, um, you know, uh, it's, it's already on your vehicle. Um, a lot of, a lot of people, when you kind of have to cram your adventures into a weekend and you just worked all week, um, it's, it's a pain in the butt to try to pack everything up and try to find your gear and, you know, whatever else. Um, but uh, having a dedicated kind of thing already on your vehicle that you can just jump in the seat, grab some food, and, and hit the road, um, that's what a lot of people look for. And the other thing is they're comfortable. I mean, they have the mattresses built into them. Um, you're up off the ground, um, you know, and the, that, that gives a, you know, being off the ground definitely gives a, a perception of safety to a lot of people. Um, you know, where if you if you hear a pack of coyotes out in the wilderness where you're at, you're not going to be f- afraid that they're going to like, you know, break into your break into your little tent and kind of drag you by the feet and pull you out or something like, you know, I, I, I the likelihood of that happening is slim. But I think getting off the ground, getting away from, you know, the area where kind of the creepy crawlers are uh, definitely definitely gives a little peace of mind there. So um, ro- the rooftop tents, uh, that's kind of how they got their their popularity. and. They are, they're comfortable, um, but uh, there's downsides of them, which is kind of, you know, where where our business has kind of taken the next step from the rooftop tent. Um, but the it's a, it's an easy way to get into, um, I wouldn't say a little bit more glorified car camping that kind of gets into overlanding. The rooftop tents are rugged, they're comfortable, and they're not that expensive to get into. I mean, you can get into them for a couple thousand dollars. And um it might sound a little crazy for tents, but um, for something that's going to live on the top of your car that you want to make sure is reliable and can, you know, withstand, you know, multiple environments, it's a, it's a, it's a good investment for a tent. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's good. And we're not going to focus on that today. We'll, we're we're going to dig into a little bit of the camper, what you have going, um, which is a cool, you know, a cool thing. But um, maybe we just start this off to talking about some of the gear because I wanted to focus on people listening here, you know, into fly fishing and you know, think of the person that's going out on, say, this trip and they're, you know, heading out into the remote wilderness and they got their truck and there's really, it's a fishing trip, right? They're heading out into find some lake in the middle of nowhere. Um, I want to break down some things they need to be bringing with them, maybe some stuff they haven't thought about, because typically I think of myself, I'm going to have my camping gear, stoves, you know, all that typical stuff, right, that you need. And my truck's going to be packed with, you know, a couple of kids and everything else. But um, maybe talk about some of the stuff that you always bring. Maybe we could talk a little bit of safety and, and all of that. Yeah. Um, so 
and and to your point, like your audience, anybody who's going out, like fly fishing, you're totally overlanding. You know, you're trying to hit maybe you know just one or multiple parts on a you know on a on a stream or you know around a lake or something. And um, it's uh, it you definitely want to make sure when you get out there, you have everything you need. So when I kind of look at you know, what's the, what's the essentials kit that you, that you want to make sure you take out. It's really no different than, you know, if you talk to backpackers that go out in the woods, you know, they're doing the same thing. They're just doing it on foot. So, um, you want to have a similar type of gear that they carry, but you have the ability to be, to take a little bit more stuff because your vehicle is assisting you and you're not having to carry it on your own back. So you can be a little bit more comfortable that way. But, um, the first things first, you know, when you go out backpacking, they always say, Hey, you know, write down where you're going to be, talk to your friends and family, tell them where you're going. So all that boils down to is communication, right? So that's the, that's the number one thing is that I want to be able to reach somebody no matter where I go. So that if, something bad, catastrophic, whatever it wants to be, or I just need some support, um, because my vehicle broke down or whatever else, I have a way to contact someone that, to, that can get me help. Um, so there's a lot of devices out there, but for, for me, I love the Garmin inReach mini, um, little plug for them. The, the main reason I love that thing is, is it's tiny. It, it Bluetooth to my phone. It also Bluetooth to a GPS uh, unit that I use from Garmin. And, and, um, it allows me to send two way messages. It's a, it's a monthly subscription. I use the freedom plan because some, some months I'm not going to be traveling. So I shut off the plan, but it's only about 24 bucks a month. So it's not a lot. The unit itself costs, I think around 350 bucks. Um, but it's the, it's the key piece of, of, of gear that, that you really need because when the going gets tough and you really need some help, um, having a two way communicator meaning that you can send a satellite message, it's just like a text message, out to friends, family, um, search and rescue, emergency support, whoever it might be, um, they're going to be able to respond back to you with a message so that you get the peace of mind that you actually reach somebody and that somebody's coming to help you. And whenever you send a message, it pins on a map that they can open up via link in the message of ex of your exact location. So... So it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. And the off-road communication or the, uh, the off-grid communication I said is only getting better. You can even up that a step and go for a satellite phone, but the, the, um, the subscription and the cost of those things are just so, so outrageous. Um, so for me getting a $350, you know, micro messenger that I pay a 20, 20 some dollar monthly fee with, um, is, 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 is totally worth it. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it's probably the number one piece of gear that I make sure no matter if I'm backpacking, car camping, overlanding, like whatever you want to say, um, even if I'm just driving from Bend over to Portland and I'm crossing the pass, I have it with me because there's a lot of area that you're not in cell phone range. And if, uh, you know, you hit a deer or something goes wrong, like, you know, it's it's nice to know that, like, hey, I can I can call my wife and say, hey, bring the Jeep out here because I need a ride. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that's a very reasonable price. So I think back to a trip we did a while back where we were kind of in a remote canyon on a river trip. And I think we had the, um, it was one of those ones, it was more like an EPIRB where you push a button and we were ready for like a helicopter to come get us. But this makes more sense because you can actually talk to somebody and let them know. I mean, is this kind of, you can just talk back and forth on limited messages if you wanted to? Um, so the way that the Garmin sets it up, there's different subscription plans. The one that I get is pretty much the, the lower end of it. Um, it allows you 10 custom messages a month. Um, and that, that is 10 sending and receiving. So it's not a lot. Um, but you can set pre-prescribed messages, I think up to six and those don't, those don't you, those are unlimited. So I've set up pre-messages in there just to give my wife peace of mind when I'm out. That's like, Hey, I'm at camp. Um, everything's okay. You know, love you. Talk, talk to you when I get back in range or something. That's then that's a full message. And I can send that every single time I stop for the night to her and not have to worry about using, using anything on my plan. Um, but honestly, when the going gets tough and you need to send multiple messages, I think it's it, once you go over your usage, it's only like a dollar a message. And in an emergency, if you end up spending $50, don't you think it's worth it? Yeah. 
Exactly. You know, <laughs> exactly. So um, that's the way I looked at it. But the other, the other nice thing is um, with the two-way messaging. To your point, um, every time you're not reaching out just to like, you know, if it's not a critical emergency, if like you're out camping and all of a sudden your vehicle's battery dies, but you don't really need to get back on the road for another four days, let's say. And you don't want to just kind of like burn your entire vacation because, you know, you, you just had a, you know, a non-critical kind of like problem while you're out there. You could just, I mean, you could reach out to somebody and say, Hey, got a dead battery. Do you mind coming out on Monday? You know, when the trip's over to come help me out, you know, or, or whatever, or whenever you get a chance, could you come out here and like, you know, jump my truck or something like that? So you know, it's, it's, that's the nice part. And with the, with the spot devices and some of the other emergency devices, like you only have one option. You're, you're calling that, you're calling search and rescue and, and somebody's thinking like they're planning for the worst, you know, when, when they're coming up to meet you. So, you know, and in some places, a lot of States, you got to pay for that. Yeah, no, it's huge. And I was just thinking, I mean, we had a recent trip uh, this summer, this last summer where, I think our battery died, you know, we were out camp and I think luckily we were close to sell, but I could, you know, again, if your battery dies, just very simple stuff that could happen. The kids leave the door open or something, you know, and boom, you could just send a message to whoever, right. You could send a message to the, to, or have a tow truck, you know, or have something ready and lined up. Um, so, uh, so like on solar, so power, you know, I, I mean, I use a little, um, a little power bank, just charge the phone, but we're going to be doing a trip here this next summer, uh, where we're going to be going in. This is like a two-week uh, raft trip. They're dropping us off in the middle of Alaska, and we're just floating down for like two weeks. What would you? Wow. You know, that's, you have an extra seat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty. It's going to be pretty extreme. It's uh, but it's cool. You know, we're but it's going to be remote, right? I mean, we're literally going to be you know whatever hundreds of miles from anywhere. But would this thing you're talking about be a good for that? Or I'm thinking about charging it too and things like that. Or could you just grab this Garmin and be good to go? I mean, the, the gar the battery on the Garmin lasts weeks. So that's the nice thing. It doesn't use a, it doesn't use a ton of power until you actually, you know, start needing it. And then it's just, it's still just a messenger device. Um, but yeah, the Garmin's perfect. It works anywhere in the world. Um, but the only place that probably you're not going to get a signal out is in like, you know, some, if you're spelunking in a cave somewhere, but outside of that, I mean, as long as you have open access to the sky, uh, you're going to have international coverage with the, uh, Iridium satellite net network with the Garmin inReach. So that's the, the great part about it. There you go. So, so you don't need a, f a cell phone to send the message. You can just send it through the Garmin. Absolutely. Yeah. No cell phone service needed. And it, uh, yeah, it knows exactly where you are at all times and just hits that Iridium network, it, which is actually a really, uh, really great network. There's a lot of um, uh, uh, medical and even some military services that use that Iridium network. So it's, um, it's pretty spot on. Gotcha. And, uh, and what about solar or what do you use for power? I mean, I obviously have your truck and things like that, but do you have other power sources? Um, well, I have a solar panel on the truck and, uh, you know, that mainly is to keep my, uh, deep cell, deep cycle AGM battery kind of charged up when I am stopped for a long period of time. Um, so when, when I go out and, um, pretty much travel, I just take like a little, you know, little book solar panel with me. So if I do need, you know, extra services, but then again, you know, the benefit of, you know, this overland car camping world is that, yeah, you got, you got all, you got a ton of power just in your vehicle right there. Um, so if, yeah, I have a 105 watt, you know, um, uh, CIGS solar panel from Sunflare on the top of my, uh, on the top of one of our toppers. And that just, that just pretty much recharges my battery every single day. And, um, yeah, so I don't really worry about power all too much. I mean, it runs my seventy-five liter fridge. I mean, it 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 chugs away, and it's not a, it's not something that I really get that concerned about because the benefits of solar are pretty excellent. Okay, so and let's keep on that track. So again, we're somebody's heading out this summer, you know, to a remote place. They're heading fishing. What what other gear should they have on top of just the normal stuff? You think that people already probably have? Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, since we're on the, so since we're bit on the topic of power, I mean, anything could happen, you know, for some reason, if I am not paying attention and my battery does go, you know, does go out, um, being able to start your vehicles is pretty important. So, um, I always carry one of those little lithium jump packs too. 
that, uh, that, you know, you just kind of keep, you know, get a charge in it before you go out. And then if you do have a dead battery, it's there. I mean, you can jump a truck a, a handful of times, uh, with just those little, little lithium jump packs. So, um, that's always something again that I carry with me. Now, if I was backpacking, I would not take something like that with me cause it's just heavy. And then I, then I start getting into, uh, you know, light recovery gear, I guess is, is where is, is kind of where I go to next. And that's going to be, you know, a toe strap, potentially a kinetic rope, which the difference between those are just two different ways to recover a vehicle. Um, we can go into that if you, if you want to, but the, um, uh, you know, a couple shackles that I can connect vehicles to, I always carry either a, um, I, I do have a winch on the front of my truck. So I carry either a, uh, you know, like a winch ring or something like that. If I need to, if I need to do a double line winch, um, uh, I probably carry more recovery gear than, than necessary, but that's mainly because, uh, you, you just never know what you're going to run into. Sometimes it's not you that needs the recovery. It's somebody else. And you just don't know what their vehicle's situation is going to be. So I just try to carry enough in my, in my recovery kit. Um, I carry a really robust tire repair kit that I could literally stitch the sidewall of a tire if I need to. Um, uh, and then, you know, I got an onboard compressor. I have, um, let's see, I got the compressor, always a good pair of gloves, um, carry a, a nice shovel and then like, you know, an ax and, you know, sometimes I even go out with a chainsaw if I really need it. So you do an ax, not a, like a plasky or any of that other stuff. Yeah, I, I carry, I carry like a, it's almost like a midsize, midsize ax. It's, it's bigger than a hatchet, but smaller than like a full size, like splitting ax. Um, and that just, you know, it's easy to use around the, around the fire pit if you just want to cut up some wood, but it also can, uh, chop through some big stuff if you, if you, if you need to. So, um, yeah, but that's kind of, you know, that's kind of my kit that I, that I take along with me and a full tool roll. Um, tools are always a nice thing to take when you are relying on a vehicle, something mechanical to get you somewhere. Um, again, anything can go wrong and you know, you want to have at least, um, and one, one thing that I would suggest to your audience is that, um, like get to know your vehicle just a little bit. Um, some vehicles have specific tools that, you know, on, on common things that might, you know, that might break or that you might need to repair. So you don't have to take like a spare of everything with you like some people do if they're going out for weeks or months at a time. But um, if there is like one tool, like uh, like on Tacomas, a lot of Tacomas use uh, uh, some torque bits, you know, to kind of get into some stuff. Torque bit is not a common tool that you get in a, you know, a, a small foldable toolkit at the at the auto parts store. Um so know that you, what you need, go get that stuff and take it with you. So that way, if you do need to get into any panels or something like that, you need that special bit or whatever it might be, you have it with you. Okay, perfect. And, and on the lithium jump packs, does it matter? Is there a brand or is there, are they all kind of very similar? Um, the, the, uh, the Norco brand is probably the number one out there, you know, in my opinion, um, they just do a really great job. They've been doing it since the kind of beginning of the lithium jump packs. Um, they're, they're worth their price. Um, so I, I've never had a, a, a Norco one not work for me. I've used a couple other ones and they seem to die a little bit faster over time. Um, and it, definitely if you're not using them, uh, if you're not, you know, keeping them charged, they, they, they tend not to come back as, as well as the Norcos do. So, um, I, I just go with the Norco brand. It's, it's, uh, it's a upper end option, but it's, you know, it's, it's definitely reliable and that's okay. what you want. Okay. Yeah. And what about, uh, you know, trailers? I mean, I'm not thinking like RV things, but just, uh, is that something that you see out there much? I guess occasionally you see these off-road trailers, but is there any, are there, mm -hmm. is that something you see a lot of? Tons. Yeah. It's, um, you know, the nice thing is there's a lot of options out there now because of the popularity of overlanding and the, you know, the, the, the companies that started in places like South Africa and Australia that have been doing this for decades, um, they're available now in the United States. And, um, you, you know, you, there's many different ways that you can, that you can, uh, get a camping rig that is along, 
the lines of what you want and how you want to camp. So if you don't mind pulling a trailer and you like the idea of like, when you get to camp, you unhook it and you set it up and you know, it's, it's in the camp and it's, you know, and it's safe and you can kind of take your truck and go off and do other things. Um, there's a lot of options out there and it, and it's not a, not a bad option. Now for me, I'm not a trailer guy. No. And, it's and the reason I'm not, yeah, for me, it, the reason I don't want it is number one, when I hook it to my truck, it's just another thing to worry about. Um, reversing is obviously not the easiest. And if I get stuck on a pretty tight trail and I have to back up, um, I don't want to mess with that. Um, and then, uh, even just parking and like, you know, if I stop at a, you know, grocery store or whatever else I got to find a, you know, it's, it makes it a little bit more difficult to find a parking spot when you're kind of pulling a trailer. Um, and your, your, the, the fuel mileage, um, uh, pulling a trailer on anything, your fuel mileage just drops. Yeah, I, why, I, why is that? Even, even when the thing isn't super heavy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it just cause you got, you got more friction on the road. You know, you got, you got two or four more wheels behind you that are creating friction and drag and you're relying on your, on your, uh, you know, a single engine to kind of pull it. So for instance, I have a, a Ram 1500 rebel, um, and I typically get, it actually gets pretty decent fuel mileage with that five, seven Hemi in it. And I get right around anywhere from like 15 to 17 miles per gallon if I'm on a trip. And, um, I would, I just went out to uh, giant loop did a dual motorcycle event out at crystal crane hot springs this past weekend. And I pulled my, um, I have a 2015, uh, uh, triumph scrambler that I went out there with and I put it on a trailer and I pulled it behind me. Not a heavy bike, you know, it's just a single bike in a trailer. I think I averaged like it dropped it to about 11 or 12. So, so you're losing a significant amount of, you know, extra, uh, mileage gain, uh, as soon as you hook a trailer on the back, regardless of the size of it. That's right. No. And that's, that's a good point. I mean, I think it seems like we have a can't, we actually have a, like an RV that we sometimes take out, which is kind of, but yeah, I mean, that drops it down. Yeah. 10 miles a gallon. It's interesting. And this is kind of on a side tangent, but I did see the, uh, Ford, uh, I think the F-150 next year is coming out with an all electric vehicle. Do you guys see, um, what do you think about that? Do you think these electric vehicles are going to be the next thing? I'm actually really excited. Um, I think the performance gains that we're starting to see from the electrical vehicle manufacturer, um, manufacturers out there is really impressive. Um, I love the idea of not being dependent on uh, fossil fuels like we've like we've been for you know a century, and um, it's going to be really interesting. You know, the I think the car world has started to transform, given you know the Teslas um, and some of the some of the other manufacturers that have really kind of started dialing in that. But it's 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 not gotten into the truck world yet. And now that's coming with companies like Rivian, with Ford coming out with their electric uh, hybrid, um, and I'm I'm really excited. Just the torque, the 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 range, um, and just trying to see you know how how that starts transforming kind of uh, this off road world that I live in um, is going to be is going to be pretty exciting. But we we actually already we have a, a topper going on one of those new electric Fords. Um, I think, uh, I think it's coming in. It's a, it's a ways out, but it's, I think in about February, uh, February, we, um, we already sold one, uh, to a customer that just ordered one of those Fords. And I'm really excited to, to put our first topper on a, on an electric truck. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, yeah, I think I had an email from one of the dealerships that that said, you know, it was coming. So, and I'm glad you mentioned the topper because I wanted to dig into that a little bit on your you know, what you guys have going as far as the camper. I mean, I mentioned the RV, but there's a lot of toppers out there, which is pretty cool. And I think one of the challenges, you know, like for me is, you know, my truck isn't a super heavy. It's not like the the giant, uh, you know, 350 or whatever. So you can't put a ton of weight back there. Talk about that. First, describe your topper and describe who it's really for. Yeah. So, um, so the toppers that we sell are manufactured by, um, AT Overland uh, down in Prescott, Arizona. And then our company, Oregon AT, is the dealer for them up here in the Pacific Northwest. So, um, but the toppers themselves, like we started with talking about rooftop tents, and you got the rooftop tents, you got sliding campers, then you got kind of like your dedicated expedition trucks that are like, you know, the big deals. And I kind of, you know, see that the the topper, um, 
what what we call topper campers, you know, fitting in between the rooftop tents and the full blown out campers. And the the benefits of them are they're they're lightweight, you know, um, but they're secure, and they are more comfortable than you know, kind of getting into that rooftop tent. But you have the ability to kind of customize the interior of them however you want it. So um, a lot of people don't want a full blown out, you know, slide in truck camper or full, you know, a full camper setup because they don't need, you know, when they go camping, they're cooking, they're, you know, doing most of their stuff outside. So all the things that you pay for and that you get and that end up being really heavy, you know, inside isn't really something that's important to them. Um, Where the topper comes in is that it just sits on the bed rails of your truck. You know, we kind of bolt it down and seal everything up. Um, you still have nice insulated walls on the AT. They use a honeycomb composite, so it, it actually does insulate. And then uh, the roofs pop up, so they stay low profile when you're driving, but then they pop up. And for the AT toppers, um, there's three different versions. There's one that kind of wedges open. Um, that one's called the Summit. You have one that pops fully straight up. Uh, that one's called the Atlas. And then the largest version um, is uh, has the hinges on the back, and that flips out the backside. And the, the, what hangs out over the back end ends up being your sleeping platform. It also kind of doubles as an awning. And then the entire top is just a really roomy um, uh, uh, kind of like wax, wax canvas tent material that's really nice. Um, so the uh the all the toppers come in between like at least ATs toppers they come in between about 300 and 400 pounds so to your point if you're rolling in a you know even a even a quarter ton Tacoma with a with a with a short bed and your payload is i think the payload on those trucks is about 1100 pounds you know it's not a lot um these things aren't going to put you way over your GVWR, which according to the manufacturer and to insurance companies, as soon as you do that, you're at the risk of, you know, liabilities on you if something happens. So, um, you know, these toppers, you know, coming in at between 300 and 400 pounds, it's, it's not, it's not much at all for those trucks to carry. I mean, a lot of times you don't have to do anything to the back end suspension because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's carrying well within its payload. So, um, so yeah, they're 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 a nice option for that person who doesn't need a full blown out, you know, um, you know, a full blown out uh, camper, but they want the comfort, they want the security because you can lock the whole thing up. It just looks like a canopy. It just looks like a hard canopy on the back of your truck. Um, but uh, yeah, you and then you can just outfit the inside however you want. They do sell interior cabinets and sink systems and you know, kind of like, you know, the more plush things, um, that you want to get, but you don't have to do that. We have a lot of people in the, uh, you know, obviously me being a fly fisherman. Um, I have a lot of friends that, uh, that love it because they can just throw all their gear in there, lock it up. And, you know, they're fully kitted to kind of go camping and they don't need a full, full blown out camper. And when they get back home, they can still use their truck as a truck, you know? Um, yeah, you can still go to Lowe's, you know, throw all your, you know, pr- you know, stuff in the back there, do whatever. Um, kite boarders also love it because just, just because they can lock everything up. And a lot of our gear in, in recreational sports is pretty expensive these days as you start getting, you know, further and further into it. So it's nice to be able to lock things and keep them secure and stop people from being able to see what you're, you know, see what you're doing. Let's take a break for a word from our sponsor. Koffler Boats specialize in custom-ordered aluminum boats and uses the best materials, components, and accessories available to meet all of your fishing and boating needs. The Jet Drifter, a perfect powerboat for shallow water rivers or lakes, will perform with as little as a 35-horsepower prop engine, but the whole design will also accept larger engines. In addition, the Jet Drifter is also designed to be rowed. The Jet Drifter can be custom-built in 14-foot through 18-foot lengths, and uh, I've been rowing Koffler drift boats for most of my life. I remember going down the river in my dad's Koffler boat when I was a kid. And since I have transitioned into the 17 by 54 drift boat, perfect for packing a ton of gear and still staying nimble. If you need a bulletproof boat that can literally sit outside all year long when not in use and take a beating, Koffler has the boat for you. Whether a jet drifter, drift boat, Rocky Mountain trout boat, or sled, Koffler has you covered. 
Head over to wetflyswing.com slash Koffler to connect with Joe and the family today. That's Koffler, K-O-F-F-L-E-R right now. wetflyswing.com slash Koffler. You support our podcast by clicking over through that link to connect with Joe. Please let Joe know you heard of the ad through the podcast when you connect and check back with me to celebrate if you end up making a purchase. Okay, now let's get back to the show. So the camper, I mean, essentially it is, you know, I mean, it's a pop-up, at least the one I'm looking at, right? You got different, but it's a pop-up tent, right? I mean, not a pop-up tent, but how does that work? So when you get inside it, are you standing up in there? And then then how do you, do you like fold down a sleeping area up top or how does that work? Yeah. So that's the, um, you know, this is a little bit more comfort beyond the, the rooftop tent is you can actually stand up inside these things. So, uh, when you get up, regardless of the version that you're in, the, the front cab over per- portion is part of the bed. So you either have, um, depending upon the version you get, uh, you can either just push the bed up into the ceiling or you have a panel that kind of removes so that you have full access to the bed. Now, what I love about the AT products is that, um, when the bed is in place, you still have room to get down and out. You have about three feet of space back there that, you know, so if your partner's sleeping in bed and you need to go to the bathroom or whatever else, you don't need to pick up any panels or move anything. You can literally just slide yourself out of bed and not not disrupt them um, and get out and do your thing. So um, that's that's the benefit to me of the the AT's done a really great job of allowing you know putting a little bit more extra comfort. Like you know, it's not just built out of aluminum. Um, like I said, it has the honeycomb panels, so it doesn't condensate and sweat like, uh, like some of the other, you know, toppers do. Um, that's why I love the brand. That's why I, you know, wanted to be a representative representative for him up here. So that's just, yeah, little, little bit of a plug for oh, yeah. what AT does. No, but. it sounds good because I think, and again, I think of my, you know, my, and there's probably people out there that are similar to me where, and we're doing a road trip, you know, we're going to do a road trip, uh, this summer over to, you know, kind of out West and all that stuff. And, you know, it's just like those giant campers on the back, right? You could you can get one of those and throw it on, but you just got this giant thing, and most of them weigh too much for the truck, anyways. And then, but this is one of those things where it's low pro, so you have it back there, and if you need to pop up and camp, you can. But essentially, it's it's a canopy too. It's just a canopy, right? Yeah. Yep. It's um. Yeah, it's got a you know canvas walls that kind of you know that secure in the pop top portion. You can get an insulated liner for in there, so. Um, you can actually get a, a propane forced air heater system built into them now too, that just came out with that is, is really pretty slick. So, you know, I, the nice part for us is that, you know, in the Pacific Northwest, especially when you're going out fishing multiple, you know, different areas and times of the year, you never know what the weather conditions are going to be. You don't, you know, something can move in from the coast and it's like, man, I did not expect this, but, um, these toppers really allow you to kind of, you know, if you want to get in out of the weather, uh, you have room to do that. And they, they're, they're really, really well built. And, um, and, and, you know, they, they actually help you maintain a little level, level of comfort in there. So, and, and just so people know, listening, as far as price wise, it looks like, I mean, to get into the base model, if you get in, just say the one, I think I can't remember if this is summit or whatever, the pop-up, the base level one without anything in it. I mean, what, what does it come if, what's the very lowest uh, model and then what does that cost? Yeah, they, they start at 10,000. So the, uh, the, um, yeah, the habitats, the kind of the base one, they've been doing that one the longest and that's got the, the full, that's got a full tent top on it. It's a, um, it's also the largest one, which is kind of funny, but it's just the way that it opens up that makes it so big. But that's the, the base model of the habitat starts at about 10,000. And then, you know, you kind of work your way up there, uh, up from there with options and different things yeah. like that. Okay. So, and that's similar to, and I think, you know, as far as camper wise, I mean, you could buy probably, I mean, the thing is these things on the back of the truck, you might think, you know, campers just in general, that would, they'd be cheaper than buying a, a like a 20 foot RV, but really they're not. I mean, right. Because most of those are going to be 10,000 and more. So what you get from this compared to say, just going and buying, I'm not sure what the brands are, but one of those fiberglass things with the, you know, with the bathroom and everything in them. What, what is the difference? Is it just the solid quality? Like the, the aluminum, is that why this costs a little more? It's just, it's kind of indestructible. Well, I mean, the slide-in campers, when you start getting into like something fully kitted, you know, now you're talking about something that's really heavy. And um, I would also say that they're not that cheap anymore either. If you want something that's low profile, um, 
you know, and a reputable brand uh, for a sliding camper. I mean, they're they're costing nowadays up into thirty five thousand. Oh, are they 40, really? Forty thousand dollars. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. So you're not getting one of those for ten, th- ten, fifteen thousand. <laughs> no, no. The 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 uh, the market has changed. Yeah, you can you can find used ones for under that, but uh, you know, like ten grand and under, but. Then you're looking at, okay, what happened to this thing? What's the, you know, uh, there's always that risk, I guess, that you take. Yeah. And you, you don't want to go out. Like I had a buddy, I had a buddy who picked up a used topper. L- luckily he didn't pay anything for it. Um, he, it was just given to him. But, uh, when he went out, I mean, the whole thing just leaked like a sieve. Really? And, uh, yeah. He, and it, and it just, he was just like, this, this Ooh, is, this is awful. And, Yep. We ended up kind of tearing it all apart and just trying to like figure out how to redo it. But you just never know what you're going to get when you get something, you know, if you're, if you're not willing to, you know, kind of buck up a little bit more. Um, sometimes it's not always the best deal, but there are, there are screaming deals out there. So I'm not going to encourage people not to look, but, um, just, just know, you know, know, know that, uh, you know, you really need to dive into some things to make sure you get a reliable unit. Okay. And what about this, uh, you know, on as far as you see sometimes these pull out, this is again for a back of a pickup, these drawers, right, that they they pull out and you can have your stove and stuff like that. Do you guys, is that something you offer? Do you see those a lot? Yeah, we actually do a lot with building out the interiors of these things. Um, it's, uh, it, you know, it's a part of our business that I'm pretty proud that we do a pretty good job with. And um, yeah, the, the drawers are a great solution because they hold a lot of kit. Um, you can access things really easily from the outside of your vehicle, which mm-hmm. the majority of people, you know, that's how they go camping is they're outside. So, uh, yeah, there's, you know, slide out units that you can put fridges on that are, you know, that are electric, um, that are really efficient. And it's just a, it's a good way to kind of secure down your, 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 whatever kit you're taking because, you don't really want things to be bouncing all around in the back of your truck. It's not good for your, you know, for the, for the kit, uh, for the gear, as well as if there is an accident, you know, of some sort, you don't want some projectile flying up and, you know, hitting you in the back of the head for some reason. So, um, yeah, always, always kind of, you know, find a good home, uh, for your kit and those drawer systems are a really nice way to go. Okay. And when you do those drawer systems in your setup, say, and I'm not sure the, what is the one that has just the pop up that pops up like a, a tri- you know a triangle or whatever the half That's pop-up. the that's the summit. Yeah, the summit. So say you have the summit. So could you also throw in a drawer in that and still kind of have be able to stand up or would that not be something you'd do? Oh yeah, especially in the summit. The um the the roof on the summit uh in the in the back at the top of the wedge is 8 feet high. So oh, wow. so yeah, you, um most drawers are let's say about 12 inches off of the uh the floor of the bed. So even standing up 12 inches, you still got 7 feet of headroom. Oh cool. So you could throw in so you could have a drawer, you could throw in your camping mm-hmm. stove and yeah, all that. Okay. So yeah, it's just totally, and I'm looking at one now. It looks like to add a drawer, it might be a thousand bucks or something like that, depending on what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You can, you can get drawers. Um, Ironman four by four makes a nice set of drawers uh, that, that we get. Um, Decked is a company that's been doing it that a lot of people know. Um, we get a lot of customers that come in that want the deck systems. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of options out there when it comes to, uh, comes to drawers. Okay. And, uh, and I was just thinking again on, on my truck, I've got the, uh, those, you know, like Les Schwab, right. They do these airbags. Is that something they seem to work pretty well? You know, sometimes I'll have a lot of weight, but it, I mean, do you guys recommend those things or, or should you be jacking up your suspension and all that stuff? Um, man, it, it really depends on what you want to spend. Um, and, where you plan on going. And I say that because airbags are a good option for those who, you know, you can, they're adjustable. So depending upon how much gear you end up throwing in, or if you are pulling a boat behind you, um, you can adjust your, your bag pressure to kind of re-level out your truck, which is really important, especially if you're towing something. Um, the, the downside of airbags is it's just something else that could go wrong while you're on a trip. Right. Um, the other, you know, one thing about airbags is if you are going, you know, down a pretty rugged trail, um, as your, as your rear suspension droops, so your down travel, um, that airbag might not allow for the full travel of that wheel to go. And it will literally rip the airbag. Um, 
So, so that, that again is like, if you're, if you're getting into the more, you know, rugged, you know, kind of like terrain to get back to something, um, an airbag might not be the best bet because it is a, it, it is a potential failure point on, on the vehicle. Um, I always go with, uh, I like the progressive spring leaf packs a lot better than the airbags because you still get that extra support. Um, when the weight's not in the truck, it still dry rides great. It's not like you have some heavy duty, uh, you know, spring pack there. That's just going to make the back end of your truck like rock hard. Um, so you add weight to it. It adds the extra support as needed, um, to kind of keep your truck riding at a, at a good level. And then you're not worried about the reliability of the, of the airbag itself. Okay. So perfect. Yeah. And, uh, we were kind of talking off air just about letting out your air, your tires. This is a good tip I never thought about, you know, because we we actually met the f- first time down on the on the Deschutes and and the roads a little rough rough in there, right? And and you bounce around a lot. But you're saying talk about that how you how somebody can let the air out so they have a nice ride. Yeah, it's just um, a lot of people don't understand. But it's just a simple trick. If you're you know, it's not just for driving in the snow or in the sand or other things. If you're you're going to be doing miles of, of gravel washboard road, um, go let 50% of your, uh, of your pressure out of your tires, you know? So if you, if you roll on, you know, my Ram, uh, it, ro- it rides on 55 PSI. Um, I take it down to, I take it down to about 25 to 30. And that just, that just kind of cushions that, that tire, you know, just so much that, um, it's going to widen the footprint a bit but also allow it to become more a part of the suspension. So that meaning it's going to eat up some of that vibration, some of those like kind of like little bumps that are, you know, on that road. And it's going to allow your truck, you'll be amazed on how much smoother your truck will drive um, on those, on those washboard roads. Um, And I always call it empathy for your anatomy. So it's going to, you know, you're not, you're not going to, you know, knock your, you know, knock your kidneys loose or something. Sometimes you feel that when it feels like your fillings are going to fall out if you're on a really bad washboard road. Um, and then also think of all that vibration. It's empathy for the mechanical parts of your truck. So, you know, as that vibration is going to, you know, that goes to the nuts and bolts, to the engine parts, to, you know, some of the more fragile areas of a vehicle. And um, uh, just by airing down your tires, it takes some of that you know, some of that vibration out. So, um, you're not, you're not, you know, you're not potentially going to loosen up something or whatever. Um, and there's easy tools to do that. Uh, I think today we're going to be giving away a, um, uh, one of the air down tools that we use. Um, but I mean, honestly, if you got the, it, it takes some time, but if you just go over to your tires with a pen or, you know, something like that, and just kind of push in on that valve. And as long as you got a, a gauge check so that you go, don't go down too low, um, like I said, the first, first round is, you know, always go down like, you know, about 50% of what your rated air pressure is. And you're, a lot of people don't know this, but, um, you can see your rated air pressure for your vehicle is on the driver is on a sticker on the driver's side door jam. So just look at that. You don't go off of the max, don't go off the tire pressure of the tire because that tire pressure is going to be for the max rating that that tire is to, but your manufacturer doesn't it recommends a different rating. That's not going to be what the tire is rated to. So you want to go off of what's on the door jam, um, as far as like what you should air up your tires to, um, and then go 50% off of, off of that, you you know, take some time, air down the tire pressure. Uh, the one thing that I will say is that, um, you really don't want to drive over about 35, 40 miles an hour with air down tires. Um, you, you know, in on gravel roads, you probably shouldn't be driving that fast anyways. But if you do get back on pavement, um, the friction of pavement, any, I call it contact, uh, contact service, anything that's making a lot of friction, you know, there's a lot of contact between the tire and the surface. Um, you want to air back up because a low, uh, a lower tire puts more friction down it's going to heat that tire up and it could potentially start breaking that, the, the construction of those tires down and like delaminating areas inside the tire. So if you do air down, make sure you get to a, to a, a fuel station or a place that has a, a compressor so you can air back up to that, to that vehicle's rated tire pressure, um, or take a small handheld compressor with you that you can use when you get back to the paved road to air back up. Yeah. And this is what you're talking about that we might have on the giveaway, this, this air down device. Uh, the air, 
the air down devices is something that we're gonna that we're gonna oh, be yeah. giving away. Yeah, air down. So, yeah. but you could get also you could buy a just a compressor that clips to your battery and do do it that way. Yeah, we we sell them. Um, there's plenty of places out there. Uh, honestly, um, it's it comes down to time. The better compressors, you know, that are there, it's just gonna you know they're gonna air up a lot faster, especially if you're running bigger tires. Um, but anything that just allows you to kind of get pressure back into that tire so that you can safely drive home is, is, you know, is fine. I'm also looking at here, um, some cooking gear, you know, that's always right. You're out there cooking. How do you do it? I'm, I'm looking at the EEZI on K9 camp table from the, uh, AT Overland. Um, when you're cooking, this looks like a pretty cool, cool table. Um, but do you, what do you do when you're out there with your, with your truck? Oh, um, I've become a huge fan. And, and, uh, I, I know I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this, but I love the Scottle. Uh, Tembu Tusk is a company out of Southern California and they make this cast iron disc cooking system that has a, uh, kind of a single burner underneath. And it's, uh, it's, uh, literally, it looks like a, a plowing disc on top that, uh, that will heat up and has different heat zones. Um, and you can cook, I can cook anything on there from, you know, eggs and bacon in the morning to, you know, at nighttime I can make popcorn to, you know, funnel cakes or something if I really wanted to. So, um, it's kind of this, uh, this all, uh, all inclusive, you know, cooktop that you don't, yeah, you don't really need, I don't take pots or pans with me. The only thing I take that's a pot or, pot or pan is, is normally like a, you know, a, a something to make French press coffee in, in the morning. Cause that's, that's critical, obviously. Um, but that's that's about it. Uh, everything else that I cook out of um, is pretty much on the scottle. I mean, you can even make mac and cheese on the scottle. You can boil the noodles and then just kind of cook it all up, like in this cooking disc. And then your cleanup is you just kind of you know run some yeah, hot water. Iron. Yeah, it's cast iron. You just kind of you know kind of just scorch it out. Um, you know, clean off the residue, and then you pack it up, and you're you're good to go. So it's kind of like a uh, like cooking a stir fry, like one of those. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure what, the, what those are called, but that sort of thing. Yeah, like a wok. Yeah, wok exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very much like a hibachi style wok. And it's got a lid, though. Um. You. Yeah. You, you definitely get the lid. If you get one, you're gonna you're gonna drive yourself crazy because it's it's really hard to manage the temperatures on that thing without a lid. So the lid comes separate. You do have to buy that extra. Um, or just, uh, find a, you know, a nice size lid that you can take with you. Um, but the lid really makes that cooking unit like, you know, kind of, uh, kind of fly. So yeah, you can sear, you can steam, you can do all kinds of stuff on the scottle. And I just, yeah, once I got it, I was like, man, this, once I, it wasn't once I got, once I, once I got it, I was frustrated. It's once I learned it, um, that just totally changed, uh, the, the way that I went out. And that's literally the only camp piece or the cooking piece that I take with me outside of a, a, a therm or um, a teapot to boil water for the French press. Amazing. So that just takes care of it. So you don't need any, like your normal, like two burner stove. This is pretty much, it's a one burner, but it, you can cook. I'm just trying to picture it myself. How, how would you cook, say like pasta, right? If you're boiling, if you're doing, could you boil? Yeah. You could just throw a, bo- a pot on there. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's got a slight dish to it. So the middle of it is going to be where, you know, the flame is at. And when you pour water in, it kind of all puddles around that middle section. But since that's the hottest area, that's going to boil first. So you get your your water in there, you throw your noodles or whatever else it might be, and literally you can boil them right in the middle. And as it's evaporating off all that water, then by the time it's just sitting there like cooking, you know, or you know the you know there's no more water, your noodles are cooked and you're ready to just start mixing in your cheese and you know making you know making you know making your pasta meal. Right. What what about eggs? What about bacon and eggs? Same thing, man. You just you just stick them on. I I cook the bacon in the middle first, and then I put them out to the sides to kind of let them, you know, to let them kind of stay warm and everything. Um, I take out some of the oil and I leave a little bit in there for the eggs and maybe even the hash brown potatoes, and then I just kind of you know start whipping it up. So there you go. It's it's a it's a really great uh, little tool that um, that. Uh, I, I've really come to enjoy as I go out camping. That's cool. Yeah. I'll put a, I'll put a link in that to the show notes. Maybe there's a video or something we could take a look at. 
Oh, there's tons. Yeah, yeah there's tons. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I think we've dug into a few different things today. I mean, anything else you, you think we want to add to this? I mean, obviously, we got a whole camping, you know, people that are listening are probably thinking, okay, they got their camping. What, what you know, extra? We've talked about a few things. Anything else we want to add to this list? Um, I, the, the main thing for me, and this is just, uh, you know, something that I think should be important to anybody who goes out and travels off road and goes to these remote areas is that, um, and it's only gotten worse with COVID. So, um, I will say that we need to be stewards of the places that we go, you know, um, whether it's in the water, taking care of keeping things clean, taking care of, you know, these, these, these precious places that we like to go out and enjoy, and um, I find it, you know, even more critical today, the national forest areas and the BLM areas that we love to go and camp on, um, they're getting trashed. Um, people are going out there, they don't know what they're doing, or they just don't care. Um, they're leaving trash, they're, they're destroying places, they're going on roads that, they, that aren't roads that they shouldn't be traveling on. And it's um, what it's causing uh, places to do is that they're shutting these areas down. And that's not something that any of us want because, uh, when they shut them down, that limits our access to go out and enjoy them as well. So, um, I follow tread lightly principles. Um, we are a corporate sponsor for them. And I would, if you, if you're not educated in, in tread lightly, um, look them up. They have a website. They're a nonprofit here in the United States and they do a really great job in just trying to encourage off-road stewardship and, you know, uh, camping stewardship, um, you know, clean up after yourself, clean up after others, you know, stay on the trail. Um, let's keep these places open. Let's keep them available for all to use. Um, so that, so that way, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't trash all these beautiful places that right now we have a lot of accessibility to. Um, so that would be the, just the one thing. And, and that's the nice part about the car camping overlanding world as well is that you can take contractor trash bags and, and carry out your stuff. You know, there's, there's, there's uh, you have a lot more room for that type of thing. So, uh, so yeah, just be, be prepared that when you get to a camp and if there's trash on the ground, just pick it up, you know, um, and, and, and keep it nice. So. So there's a, we'll, we won't leave it off on the, on the poop talk topic, but it got me thinking. So <laughs> what what's the recommended, because there are some different ways, right? You've got the, you know, you got buckets, you got all sorts of stuff. What, what do you recommend? What do people doing out there when they're overlanding? Oh man. Um, Cause you could dig, I mean, I think, I think the digging thing too is, you know, if you dig a hole deep enough sort of thing, I mean, I think of the river trips, right? A lot of the river trips we do now, I mean, you're required to take along something to, to take your poop out, right? You can't, yeah. you can't bury it anymore because obviously along the river that floods and stuff like that. But what are, what are people doing out there where in your area? Yeah, the, the shovel's the easiest and it's the cheapest. As long as you dig a big enough hole, you know, that's, that's a good way to go and, and cover it up. So animals can't get to it and stuff. Um, my method, honestly, is I like the wag bags um, because now you're now you're packing out your waste. Um, a lot of people don't because it's not you know they want to have like a you know something similar to their house where they go to the bathroom and then they flush it and then it's in an area that they can't see. Um, in that regard, uh, there's these little cassette toilets that do have a little bit of a water pouch with them that you can kind of pump in and. Um, you add a little bit of chemical and it just kind of breaks down the waste. And then when you're, and when it's full and it's ready to, you know, you're ready to empty it, you just dump it in like a porta john toilet or something like that and you can get rid of it. So there's, there's multiple ways out there. I like the wag bag uh, situation cause it's light, it's easy. You know, it, it sets up and takes down in just a minute. It doesn't take up any room and, um, and all your waste is kind of controlled. So. Yeah. And the wag bags are where you just kind of have that bag. It's got a little chemical that kind of hardens or. Yeah. I, I, I first found out about them when I backpacked up, uh, Mount Whitney is, um, to get my permit at the, at the, um, at the, at the ranger station there in Lone Pine, California. Like you literally pick up your permit for the trail and they hand you two wag bags. It comes with, it comes with your purchase. And I was like, what is this thing? And they're like, Oh, you open it. So you open the top bag, the inside bag is the bag that you actually do your business in. And it's got, you know, kind of granule, you know, absorbance, for, you know, for all the stuff. And then when you're done, you just kind of tie it up, stick it in a Ziploc, you know, tie up the bag. It goes into a Ziploc bag. There's even a little bit of little roll of toilet paper it comes with and like a hand sanitizer. You just stuff all that trash in and then it completely seals the odor and whatnot. You shove it in your pack or, you know, when next time you come to a trash can, you just throw it away. 
Yeah, so this can go in. So once you're done, you can throw it literally, just throw it in a trash can. Yep. Yep. That's exactly exactly what they're for. And like the, all the plastic breaks down. It's all biodegradable type stuff. And the poop, but the chemicals take care of that sort of thing. So, well, it is yep. garbage, but I mean, yeah, it just goes into the garbage. Yep. That's, that's literally how yeah. the wag bags work. As so. opposed to any other things that you could like, yeah, the, the whole things where you're dumping into a, um, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's all sorts of, you know, we've got stories from crazy stories of, of that, but, uh, okay, well we won't dig too much more into that. I'll <laughs> leave, I'll leave that conversation there, but, um, yeah, let's just say there's options. So, and if you really want to dive into the poop stories, like, yeah, feel free to just uh, get a hold of us and we'll we'll, yeah. we'll talk about you know, all the ways that you can kind of handle your waste. That's right. That's right. Um, and then you, so you have at Oregon AT and then AT Overland. Um, are there, like, as far as a resource, is it, where would you send somebody if they wanted to learn more about this? Anything else out there that maybe isn't your own stuff where people could learn about, you know, either getting into these campers or just the, the camping stuff we talked about today? The best source for learning about overland travel, regardless what you're looking to do, um, I'd say the Expedition Portal. Um, Scott Brady runs that down in Prescott, out of Prescott, Arizona. And there is a, a fantastic forum in there that includes any type of vehicle, any type of camper. You can ask any type of questions. They have some great articles. Um, so I would look into the Expedition Portal. Um, uh, they also publish a magazine called Overland Journal, which is really good. Um, but the expedition portal definitely for uh, you know for anything that comes into this off road camping you'll you'll find a lot a wealth of information with that, and then to get a hat of us uh, it's just uh, OregonAT.com. Obviously, we have the uh, you know the the AT Overland truck campers or the truck toppers on the uh, on the website you can look at. We also have a whole page of other you know off road camping accessory gear, and then. Outside that, we carry so much more than we even show on the website. But we even, um, uh, if you're looking to get into this and you don't have a vehicle or you don't know really what you want, um, I would also say there's rental vehicles out there. Uh, we have a Jeep Gladiator that we put one of our Atlas toppers on, and we rent that out. And it's a great way to kind of get your feet wet. Uh, without dropping thousands of dollars and going out and seeing how you like this style of camping. And, uh, I would just, I encourage anybody to get to, to give it a shot to see, you know, if it's something they like to do, because there is a lot of beauty out of there and it's a great way to kind of go experience the great outdoors that we have a lot of accessibility to right now. Yeah. I think that's for me, that's the, the advantage of, you know, talking about your campers is, yeah, they're not the huge RV. Like I said, we've got this pole behind, which we never hardly take out because it's so huge. But, um, you know, I'm kind of looking at maybe getting rid of that, you know, and picking up something that's a little more streamlined. And, and the camper, you know, like the, the traditional big pop, they're just so big. So the advantage of yours is that it literally has a camper, has a sleep top, you know, and this gets back to the start, right, where I asked, like, what are these toppers about, these pop-up things? But I see why. It's because people that don't have a, a pickup, right, they have a car, they could throw one of these pop-up tents. It's the same sort of thing. You got a pop-up tent mm-hmm. in your car, and and so is yours. You've always got this pop-up. You know, you had a canopy. It's a canopy, but also it's a pop-up tent. So, you know, I understand it makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. You try to try to take advantage of the limited time that we do have to get out and kind of recreate and explore. And um, it just it's nice when you when you already have it on your vehicle. You just you know just jump in when when Friday hits and you're off work and you can just head out and then come back on Sunday for, you know, the next week's grind. But, um, the other benefit I will say about the toppers over the slide and truck campers that I didn't mention is that you don't have to register them. Um, uh, yeah, they're, they are, they're looked at as just cargo in the back of your truck. Um, but slide in truck campers, you actually have to get license plates for them. You do have, you do have to register them. You have to pay taxes and things like that on them. Um, you don't have to do that with the toppers, which kind of carves out, you know, a little area for them too, is they're a lot easier to own. So yeah, 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 that makes, that makes sense. Okay. Well, I guess we'll leave it at that and I'll put in a link to what you talked about here as far as where they, you know, everybody can go to check out, uh, the Oregon AT and, um, yeah. And if any questions come, I'll direct them your way and maybe we'll be chatting more about some things here. And I guess we'll follow up too with the, the giveaway, uh, the, that we talked about, um, before we leave it out of here, uh, Brent, maybe just leave us with, um, I'm curious on the music. Uh, I occasionally ask the music question. Are you guys, when you're out there kind of doing your stuff, are, are you, uh, listening to some music out there? 
Oh yeah. I, um, I have a UE boom, uh, little kind of Bluetooth, uh, speaker that I always take out with me and it's always fun to have a little tunes around camp. So, um, I would say Spotify is my go-to. Um, I have a lot of things downloaded, a lot of playlists, you know, on Spotify and man, I listen to a, a plethora of stuff. So it's really hard for me to nail down like any certain, certain tune. Um, but, uh, let's see, I've, um, yeah, uh, you, you'll you'll normally hear like Johnny Cash playing or or something something like that. Something just chill, you know, kind of feels a little woodsy. Uh, that's normally kind of like my campfire type uh, type of tune. So um, that or some good classic rock, you know. Nice, nice. Oh, uh, yeah, we have a little Spotify channel I just started for the you know the podcast here. I think. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I think it's uh, wet, check it out. Yeah, wetflyswing.com slash. Um, I want to say music. I think that's music. But um, so yeah, I put in a link. I'll, and I think I'm not sure if there's any Johnny, but I usually throw in a a song from our guests, so I'll, I'll throw in some Johnny in there. And also, I'll give a shout out to Turtlebox Audio, which is one of our sponsors right now. They make. They make this, uh, you know, kind of rugged, bulletproof, uh, you know, basically Bluetooth speaker, but it's more of like a six by nine, and it's it's pretty sweet. So yeah, people might check that out. I've talked a lot about it, and you know, it's oh a, yeah, it's a little bit bigger than your little tiny thing you stick in your pocket, but it's uh, it's got better sound and, and great stuff. sound, and it's waterproof. It, yeah, so fully for, waterproof. For fishermen, yeah, if you drop it in the river, it's not going to kill it. Or so. if you leave it out in the rain, you're partying, and you <laughs> like you, yeah. got, you know, but. Okay, Brent, well, I'll let you get out here. Yep. Thanks again, and uh, this is good stuff. I'll keep in touch with you moving forward. Sounds great, Dave. I appreciate, again, you letting me uh, kind of chat with your listeners here. So it was nice nice to talk. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes, all the links, and everything else we covered today, go to wetflyswing.com slash 238-238. If you found this podcast helpful or have been listening to the show for a while, please uh leave a review on social uh, it'd be great if we could see another five-star review out there if you've been enjoying this that would be amazing um, you can click over uh, to your app or just head over to wetflyswing.com slash l-o-v-e and finally before we get out of here just want to remind you uh, again of that tuesday morning episode uh, this tuesday we have todd Hirano coming up here who's going to be breaking down summer steelhead fishing this is this is definitely probably the best to date the most content we've had on summer steelhead fishing we really dig in deep uh, especially with the dry fly. Todd talks about fishing with dries. So we, we go we go into this. So you're going to love this one. Click your subscribe button on your app to make sure you get updated when it comes out. And I challenge you to wake up Tuesday morning before that thing drops. You got to get early. You got to get early to beat the Wet Fly Swig podcast. So that's all I have for you. That's, that's it. That's a wrap today. Hope to catch up with you soon. Maybe see you on a summer steelhead river or maybe online. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.